is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. I am pumped for today's conversation. So glad that you guys are checking this one out in particular. Today's guest is Mark Matlock. Mark is a friend of the Awana ministry, and he is president at Wisdom Works, insight lead at Barna Group, and the co-author of Faith for Exiles, which is a fantastic book that you can learn more about via the show notes today. Mark's work is incredibly valuable for all of us, particularly because he has been focused on millennials and Generation Z for as long as anybody, and he speaks to the unique challenges of discipling that community, as well as the opportunities to reach this current generation of kids with the hope of the gospel. We start the conversation with Mark sharing about how his own book, written long before the pandemic began, has turned out to be so prophetic to this current moment. Thank you for listening. Here is Mark Matlock on the Resilient Disciples podcast. It's interesting, you know, the, the book is based on data, it's based on research. And so it's really interesting because, you know, for many Christians, they perceived this whole election cycle as being a turning over of American culture and society and all that. And they're going, Oh my gosh, you know, you talked about being in exile right here in the book. And (laughs) now we are, you know, or whatever. And I'm like going, well, the reality is the data has been telling us we've been going in this direction for a long time. And so there aren't really current events that have triggered these realities. They were realities beforehand. We weren't paying attention. Mm. And so the pandemic caused everybody to look and the political climate and the division in our country has caused in the United States has caused people to look. And that's what's really frustrating is that we could have actually pointed this out many, many years ago if people had been paying attention (laughs) and they may have actually been able to apply it when there was an opportunity to really do something. Sure. Now there's always an opportunity to act, right? They always say like, when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? When's (laughs) the next best time right now? Yeah. So, uh, so yes, while we could have looked at the signs and the signals, um, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, David Kinneman and I have been following this generation for a long time and, and looking at what's going on in next gen issues for a long time. David, even more so than, than me, I've been working more closely with them. David's been doing more of the research. Mm-hmm. We've had a relationship for about 20 some years looking at that back and forth and dialoguing. This is our first opportunity to write a book, but yeah, we, we need to act uh, now and we need to start paying attention. Um, unfortunately we've, you know, got a little catching up to do and that's going to make things a little more difficult, but that's okay. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. And I hope that the, in the process of the pandemic, you know, the folks who are, if nothing else, tweeting at you about how prophetic this book has been now feel like they can at least be motivated to implement the action that you're talking about in whatever way they can, because it's forced us all to pause. It's forced us all to get off the hamster wheel and start paying attention. And I think what stood out to me so much about the book and some of these conversations that you're having is it speaks to both the long game of resilient child discipleship, but it speaks incredibly to the, the urgent nature of the moment, right? You're talking about doing something today, talking about how long it takes to really invest relationally, particularly in this generation. What do you feel like is particularly unique about the generation that you're invested in, you know, whether it's millennials, Gen Z, 
or what have you, what, what is different about this group of people than what the church has seen previously? Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, so what David and I were looking at in Faith for Exiles is we wanted to see among those in, you know, we were on the tip of the beginning of Gen Z in this research, but we were okay. looking at millennials and we were wanting to understand why did they, those who stayed, why did they stay? Why have they continued to be faithful? So the book is actually rather hopeful. Um, Which and, I appreciate, especially in this line of work. Yeah, because it's, it's basically saying what, 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 what contributed to this and how could we maybe do more of that, right? Yeah. And, and what we found, and I think this is kind of good kind of baseline stuff, is just thinking about, we, we kind of found that there were four different types of people from 18 to 29 that had at some point in time in their life considered themselves to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. We called one group prodigals. They made about 22%. Those prodigals were people that said at one time I identified as a Christian and I no longer do. Mm-hmm. Then we had another group we called nomads. And then we have another group called habituals and another group that we call resilience. Now the nomads were those who still consider themselves to be Christians, but they're not really connected to the church anymore. And we know that by profiling them, that while there's more positivity and more connection to God, it's still, it's very much more like the prodigal, but Mm -hmm. they still identify and find a fondness with Christianity. It's kind of like they've taken their Christianity on the road away (laughs) from the church. That's why we call them nomads. Sure. They're kind of going, the church doesn't do it for me anymore. I'm going to go and try and see if I can follow God outside of it. No. And I Uh, I giggle just because I know, we all know that type of person, right? We all know the person yes. who, you know, when you tell them you're a Christian, they say something like, well, I'm, I'm very spiritual. I'm just not that religious or I don't yeah, like the, yeah. what, what the church does. I don't go to church anymore, but I still consider myself to be a Christian. You hear yes. that a lot too. Yeah. Yes. And that's that, that's that person. Uh, then you have, and we've spent a lot of our energy trying to figure out how to go after these uh, nomads and these prodigals, because it's a huge amount of people who have been leaving our church over the last 10 to 15 years. So this is not a new phenomenon. It's just happening. But then there's this group called habituals mm-hmm. and habituals are going to church pretty frequently, but they're, they're not fully formed in their discipleship. So they come to church. We, we still don't completely understand why uh, because they're having a really different experience with Jesus than our exemplar exemplars, which are the resilience, they only make about 10% of that population. Um, They're having a really different experience with Jesus. And they're also having a really different experience with the people that are going to church. So we thought maybe these habituals were going to church because they had really good friends or really good relationships. And while, um, and and that's not completely true. I mean, they're, they're, they're having significantly less than the resilience. So we were looking at that and just trying to make sense of it. But what we realized was there's a lot of hope here because mm-hmm. we have these, these, this generation that is inside of our church right now that uh, needs to be strengthened. They need to really learn to trust and lean into God and to follow Christ in their life. And we have this opportunity because they're in our walls, unlike the nomads and the prodigals. Well, David and I also kind of got the impression that, you know, maybe they kind of got their hand on the door too. And maybe <laughs> they're just waiting for the right opportunity to open that door and walk through it. 
and be done with church and voila pandemic. Yeah. And what we've seen in numbers, even though we can't tie their type to their church attendance, but what we've seen mirrors those numbers that that if there's ever a, a segment of our church membership, that's going to take a hike during the pandemic, it's probably coming from that group. And this pandemic's given them the reason to open the door and walk through and, yeah. and become nomad. So we'll do some follow-up later on once things kind of get into a new, the new normal really becomes the new normal. And we'll be able to do some follow-up on that. But even in just some recent research that we released today, taking a look at Generation Z. So this is looking at a younger group of those, that segment, 13 to 21 year olds. Okay. Um, we're seeing resilient disciples only make about 9% of that group. Oh, so it's even going down now. Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, because resilience were about 10%, but yeah, so just a little bit, but the habitual churchgoers are significantly down by, by 11% percentage points. The nomads are also uh, fewer uh, and what we see is that non-Christian, ex-Christian prodigal group is is quite uh, large, 38%. So what we see happening right now is we have kids that are within our reach that we are at risk of losing and families that we are at risk of losing um, and that we need to be putting our energy into. And we have a, a generation that's emerging, that's growing up in probably the most post-Christian culture mm. ever before. We haven't seen the impact of it. There are people that will say, oh, we're living in a post-Christian culture right now. But the boomers, the Gen Xers are experiencing that in a really different way because we're kind of carrying the past with us. We're feeling maybe the loss of what that means. Sure. But we have a generation that's growing up natively that whose identities are being formed in that context, which means they have fewer examples to look up to fewer people to influence them um, in the ways of Christ. So we are really at a, a, a critical moment for thinking about how are we discipling right now and yeah. how are we going to do that moving forward? So if I understand you correctly, what we're seeing in the course of the pandemic is essentially a shift in the wrong direction. We're seeing that, the the kids who are in our church are becoming less connected because of the pandemic than whatever sort of category they would have fallen into previously. Now, what I find there's so much to unpack there, and I want to yeah, the of, environment was ripe for it, <laughs> but the pandemic just kind of like has has accelerated that that opportunity. Yeah, because I feel like folks um, who listen to this, you know, I'm always sensitive to the idea of creating another thing for them to do, right? Like, I think mm -hmm. especially the group who's invested in child discipleship, like it is a very self-sacrificial, um, pour out, even when I feel like I'm on empty kind of group, even within the context of the church. But what I hope people take from that is the idea that um, doing whatever you can for this, for the families in your community is going to begin to make a difference because especially right now where you might be the only person who's reaching out to that kid, who's not a member of their immediate family, right? Like every other support system or community opportunity has been leveled so much that by just doing what you may have called the minimum before the pandemic actually might be making a tremendous impact and begin to shift the data back in the direction we would all hope it to go. 
Is that a fair yeah, think, summary? Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, to your point about, you know, not beating people up, like one of the things we found out when we were surveying people at Barna uh, churchgoers, very few of them had actually been contacted by anybody at their church in the first few months of the pandemic, right? And so it was really easy to look at that data. Like we're talking very few, like less than 15%. Um, And so, you know, you're sitting there going, wow, how could, you know, this be missed? But we have to remember the pandemic affected everybody. (laughs) There wasn't anybody that was really kind of like, hey, I'm not touched by this, right? right? So while it disrupted some people's lives more than others for a period of time, it disrupted everybody's life. So I think that pastors, volunteers, people that are working in ministry, they need to, you know, give themselves a little bit of um, just, you know, a break and not beat themselves up over some of this because it's just, it, they were dealing with things too, right? We all, especially if you had children, you're trying to navigate that. Um, I'm an empty nester. I found myself to be living pretty wonderfully uh, <laughs> during some of this, uh, you know, this, this, this trial, you know, I didn't know how I was going to make any money, but uh, sure. <laughs> or, or what the future is going to look like. But, you know, I was kind of like, this is actually not that difficult, but that was because it was just me and my wife, you know, and right. we were getting more time together than we normally get. So we were like loving it, but, but most of us were disoriented and disrupted, especially if we had children. Yeah. And so we, we all have to give ourselves a little bit of grace uh, on that. But as we come into 2021, we have some of our rhythms established. Mm-hmm. We know more about the virus than we ever did before and how to mitigate our exposure we know how to live with the virus better um, while the vaccines are, it's going to be a while before they really, you know, kick in and that becomes helpful. Um, we, we, we've kind of ad- adapted to some new rhythms and now it's time to start thinking again about how do I reach out? Yeah. How do I do the ministry work and how do I love my neighbor? Um, you know, because we're, we're able to, to do that in ways that, that we weren't able to maybe six months ago. Yeah. And that no matter when your sort of official ministry, if you are someone who offer, if your church operates on more of a traditional ministry, your calendar, no matter when that starts, like the opportunity to reach families. And, you know, we had a conversation with Matt Markins a few couple of weeks ago on this podcast. And the, the main point of that talk was start doing that work now. Cause it's going to take a lot of energy. It's going to take a lot of investment relationally, to see whatever sort of successful payoff in terms of discipleship is Um, your book talks. And a lot of it, a lot of it is just letting people know I'm here and I'm thinking about you. Mm. Um, You know I mean? It's not, you know, obviously there are some places that are meeting. There are some places that are not, there are some people that are continuing things and there are some people that are not. And I think just um, even just being able to, and, and one of the, really interesting things to me has been talking to ministers who are like, all of a sudden I realized all of our information is warehoused, you know, and we have, we don't even know how to contact people on our own. You know, we don't have that, you know, because of policies, things like that. So we're finding out how fragile we are Mm. as ministries, as, as, as individuals and um, fragility is the opposite of resilience, right? (laughs) So when we're talking about building resilient disciples, what we're wanting are people that are able to bend, but not break. Mm. 
And I think what we're all dealing with coming off of 2020 is, wow, we are pretty fragile. I'm just a couple paychecks from destitution. Uh, I'm a couple, you know, rolls of toilet paper away from not being able to find any. <laughs> we, we, you know, we all had these different issues that came up depending on our locations and regions where we were like, wow, I don't, these things that I've depended on always being there or helping me stay afloat may not be there the way I thought. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Let's talk about moms. We know the impact a mom can make in her home, community, and the kingdom of God. We know that when a mom encounters Jesus, it's exponential discipleship because her family does as well. And for nearly 50 years, Mops International has used the common experience of motherhood to create opportunities for women and their families to encounter Jesus. They partner with churches and organizations like Awana worldwide to equip and encourage moms in more than 70 countries. Through their ministry, they remind women that they're not alone, that motherhood is significant, and that Jesus calls them beloved. In addition, they give them the tools they need so that moms can thrive and feel equipped to disciple the next generation in Christ's name. As Mops approaches a half century of impact, they recognize that shifting cultural norms and a global pandemic are creating a pivotal moment of opportunity. Moms are more isolated and stressed than ever before. We all know that moms need community now more than ever. Whether you're a mom or you just know a mom, I want you to join Mops. I want you to support the moms in your community. By serving or donating, you are offering hope and introducing moms to Jesus. Visit mops.org to learn more. We realized how much we need other people. Right. Um, how much we need that that contact. So, um, so we're coming out of that. And I think this is a real opportunity for us to, to figure that, but just reaching out to people and go, I just want you to know, I'm thinking about you. I can't wait till we're able to see each other again. And, uh, I can't wait until we're able to keep doing this and, and give people something to look forward to help them be mindful of the fact that they're missing church and that they're mm. missing Awanas, that they're missing the club, that they're missing their kid men, programs um and just help help them be mindful of that and then to the extent that you are able to offer them any resource or assistance uh go to that next level and do right. that you know um one of the things my friends the skit guys have uh, been doing these bedtime bible stories on facebook and they're hilarious my wife and i have been watching them um <laughs> And we're having a blast, but what was, uh, I think, surprising to them is how people started sending in what they were doing at their homes and, oh, nice. and all, yeah. all that. And then they started including that into the program. So it became this kind of community, but is this idea, but I think we need to, we need to help parents figure out how to fill their own time with meaningful things yeah. that are helping their kids continue to, to create spirit because there are some parents that have an imagination around how to help form their children spiritually and the other parents that are just trying to figure it out themselves, if at all. So anything that we can do to help them in that way is going to be a huge encouragement. Even if it's just sending them a proverb or a story to tell or something like that, um, a, a, a coloring book page with some kind of content on it yeah. that can, can help them. Simple things like that can be very, very powerful during this time. Absolutely. 
And I think if you are someone who's taking the time to listen to Mark and I talk, you are someone who has the capabilities to do that, right? Like I think folks who are engaged enough to engage in a podcast about it can also be engaged enough to uh, show compassion, right? Like your book makes this particular call, which I really appreciate about having compassion for the next generation. And I hope that us all going through this universal experience has created an opportunity for everyone to have compassion because whether you're 30, 60, 90, or 120, like you've gone through a global pandemic and those are going to have parallel similar experiences, even if they look a little bit different in the context of your community. Um, Absolutely. To go back to some of the research that went into Faith for Exiles, the group that you, you and David referred to as resilience, you know, is something that co- somewhat coincidentally, or perhaps entirely coincidentally, we found out, uh, you know, it really coincides with this uh, movement and this banner that Awana is trying to raise about resilient child discipleship. Uh, and I'm curious, the, the, how is that group, is there anything in the data nine months into a pandemic that begins to show the way that some of the, the way that those groups were broken apart, how has the resilience been impacted? You spoke about how each group has kind of shifted in the wrong direction, but what are some of the other ways that where that group in particular has been impacted by the coronavirus? Yeah, we, we don't have specific research on that, you know, tracking sure. uh, that group. So it's a little hard for me to make um, bold statements, but what we know is that these people are experiencing um, a couple really important things relationally. One is they experience the presence of Christ as a person. Um, there, there is a prayer and conversation with Christ that occurs in their life that is different than the other groups. Mm. And so, um, so they are, you know, more likely to, you know, experience Christ wherever they're at. So not being at church probably doesn't phase them as much in their spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's always uh, some that will be impacted by that, especially when we look at the mental health issues facing young people right now. Yeah. Um, But um, the, uh, the, the other thing is that they have a network of relationships and friendships, not just among their peers, but among those that are older than them. And that gives great stability in their life. Um, and so, so we expect them to, you know, to, to be stable that way. The, the third thing that we see in their life is, is something called cultural discernment is what we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, we observe this and that, that's the way that we chose to, to name it. But they think about the events that are happening in the world on television and media through a lens of, of biblical integration. Mm. So they're thinking, they're thinking biblically about the things that they're consuming and looking at. And we absolutely saw a relationship uh, prior to the pandemic between how they were using media and the other groups. Mm. So they were more likely to consume spiritual content than the other groups. Um, were on on their screens. They were also likely to spend less time on their screens um, than others. So the way that they're using media, the volume of it is very different than the other groups. So those are some things. So our our hope when we actually get a chance to maybe do some deeper dives into this post-pandemic or toward the latter tail of it 
uh, is that we're going to see that this group has, has, uh, has endured. And just yeah. the fact that in this Gen Z research, we're looking at 9% there where we've seen double digit changes and shifts in the other groups. We, we're seeing less than a 1% shift, which is well within the margin of error. Um, oh, good. Within Z. So, so we're seeing some stability there. Yeah. And, and this is ultimately what Awana is moving toward, right? Is, uh, you know, Matt and Valerie wrote, uh, you know, Resilient, the book on hypels. Uh, that is the ultimate goal that we have in our discipleship. And it starts at the child level. Um, the younger, the more time that we have to really help them walk with Lord, with the Lord, to help them develop those rhythms, to help them not just because it's not always something you can teach. It's something that we model. It's something mm-hmm. that they catch yeah. sometimes more than we intentionally give them. <laughs> so the more time they have to observe this, you know, yeah. and they're watching us right now too. But, but I think ultimately as we're coming out of the pandemic, I don't know that we know how we're, how we've been changed. Does that make sense? It does, but say more about that. Yeah. I think, um, you know, uh, when this all started, I, my wife and I talked a little bit about it and I said, I don't think this is going to be short. <laughs> and so we kind of, uh, there was a metaphor that was used. I think Andy Crouch, uh, did it, but he talked about this being more of an ice age than it being a snowstorm. And so when we think about staying at home, you know, and the, the shutdowns that happened, it wasn't like, okay, this is just, we're, we're all snowed in for the day. It was more of a, we're in, we're down for a long time. Yeah. And we know that it takes, you know, 40 ish days to really develop new, habits right and to to see those things change so we have been changed in ways that i don't think we fully realize until we try to go back to something the way we used to yeah and we find out that doesn't satisfy me or interest me as much as it used to um or i want more of this in my life you know like i traveling has been a big part of my life and i had to travel last week and I hadn't traveled since before Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. Um, whereas literally every week I'm traveling Yeah. Um, prior to the pandemic. And my, I, I didn't want to leave my wife. I really didn't want to leave her. Something that has normally just been a fact of life of, hey, you're traveling. Okay. I didn't want to go, you know? Um, yeah. And I loved the project that I was getting to go work on, but I didn't want to leave her. And I was like, wow, I've never felt this separation anxiety. I've been changed, you know, um, that's fascinating. And I think there's a lot of that, that we are, we are going to discover. I think families have parents have become more aware of their kids' education, mm-hmm. what they're being taught, how they're learning, where their kids are actually at with all of that. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more, I just think we're going to see a lot of different things moving forward. No, that's, I love that I because I think it's not going to be negative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I'm, my oldest is five, right? So I'm more essentially coming in real, this realization of this is something her generation is going to be living in response to, right? And more so than consciously living through, um, although she's been impacted, obviously. But to think of, I think there's also an expectation 
uh, to that there's going to be the snap back to normal, right? That once a certain number of vaccine, uh, once a certain number of arms have been shot, that uh, we're all just going to be able to walk back into the environment. And I hope that people hear the one acknowledgement that it's going to take longer than that. But the hope that you're sort of speaking to of not all change is a bad thing and that there are things that we've discovered in this time that are going to shape us uh, and shape us for the better, including the fact that we are all now much more, we're paying more attention to the lives of our kids, which is at its core, what this entire discipleship conversation is about, right? This entire discipleship, you know, at the end of the day, it is about paying more attention to the relationship that your child is having with Jesus in the person of Jesus, like you spoke about. Yes. And the fact that the characteristics of what makes up the resilience are things that you as a person who's listening to this can begin to implement into your child's life while things are so slow down, right? You can take the time to be the regular adult presence or find the regular adult presence in your child's life. If that's not something you feel can work for you, you can advocate for your child. And I think, and I just so desperately hope that this far in, you know, we are closer to the end of lockdowns than we are to the beginning of it, hopefully, then that people have begun to implement those rhythms. And if they haven't, that there's not judgment from us, that it's just a crying out to do that now before things open back up. Yeah. You know, there's a proverb um, uh, in scriptures, hope deferred makes the heart sick, Mm. but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And when we hope in a short-term solution or fix. Um, and we had a lot of those that were, that didn't come to pass last year, our heart gets very sick. Mm. And we, the, the opportunity that we have to fix our hope on God right now, and to realize that no matter what happens externally, uh, my hope is fixed there. That is what will give us life because having our hopes dashed is crushing. And I have two adult children that have suffered so much disappointment during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just graduating from college and starting trying to start a career. Uh, the other one finishing their last year of college and some big projects that aren't getting to happen the way that they envisioned them to. And, um, and a lot of disappointment, helping show them where I've put my hope modeling that for them, but also reminding them of where their hope needs to lie because the short term is uh, devastating. Yeah. And I think everyone is able to do that. You know, I think that there's, there's not, you don't have to be, to go back to the beginning of our conversation, you don't have to be a president or an author of a book uh, to be able to do that for your kids or the kids in your community. Absolutely. Um, In fact, only you can be that person in the presence of your children and your neighborhood. Um, it, it, what I love about God's wisdom is that it actually says, you know, there are people with PhDs that will not be wise. <laughs> and there are people that cannot read that will be incredibly wise. Yeah. Um, wisdom is not a respecter of your socioeconomic intellectual capacities. Wisdom is uh, available to all. And yeah. um, it makes the the first last and the last first. Yeah. And so leaning into those things is a very powerful thing. 
The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk next week.